Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of August 17th through August the 23rd. I hope that you're all enjoying the final week of Leo season. Um, we're going to see the sun and Mercury transition into the mutable earth sign of Virgo this week as we begin summer's transition into fall. Um, all of our astrology this week is going to be kind of painted on the backdrop of the Mars-Saturn uh, square that's going to be perfecting in about a, a week. So we're going to feel some tension with that. So everything is painted on that canvas of, of frustration, I will say, but we'll work our way through it. Uh, on Monday, the 17th, Mercury is going to be making a trine to Mars from 24 degrees of Leo to 24 degrees of Aries. Um, we will also see Mercury making its conjunction with the Sun, which is called the Kazemi moment, at 25 degrees of Leo. So Mercury will be getting a renewal of sorts. Um, that is called the superior conjunction. Venus will be moving into the second decan of Cancer on Monday. We'll talk about the Three of Cups. On Tuesday, Venus will be making a sextile to a retrograde Uranus at 10 degrees of Cancer and Taurus. And then we have our new moon in Leo uh, at 26 degrees of Leo, um, where we will be talking about its conjunction with the fixed star Alphard in the constellation of the Hydra. So uh, a little bit of a, a coloration from the, the heart of the serpent on this new moon in Leo. On Wednesday the 19th, Mercury will move into Virgo and then conjoin the fixed star Regulus. So Regulus is now has processed into the sign of Virgo. So we'll discuss Regulus significations as, uh, as well as Mercury in its domicile and exaltation in the sign of Virgo. We'll talk about the Eight of pen Pentacles with the Tarot. Um, on Saturday, the 22nd, the Sun will follow Mercury into the sign of Virgo, and it will conjoin the fixed star Regulus. So we've got a, a lot to get to this week, and we will uh, take a look at the charts here and go through our planetary condition report. Okay, so like I said, I hope you're all doing well this week and hanging in there and enjoying your final weeks of summer before everything gets busy again with Virgo season and schedules and details become important. Um, yeah, so let's take a look at what's going on with the planets and dig into some of the the more finer details of our, our planetary week. And then we'll see if we can put it in context with our, our, daily, our daily report. So the sun is going to start out in the sign of Leo, the fixed fire sign of Leo, moving from 24 degrees to 30 degrees of Leo before it moves into Virgo. It is in its own temple or domicile where it has triplicity rulership of the fire signs by day. Uh, it will conjoin the fixed star Alphard, which is part of the constellation Hydra, at 27 degrees of Leo. Uh, it is in the terms of Mars this week from 24 to 30 degrees, and it will be also making a number of aspects. It will be co-present with Mercury as we move towards that Kazemi moment on, Tuesday, on Monday. Sorry, uh, It will be receiving a trine from Mars in Aries, and then it will still be uh, squaring Uranus, even though it is separating from that square to Uranus and Taurus. Uh, the sun is its own host right now. It's in its own temple, so it has access to all of its own resources. 
it is providing resources for Mercury right now. So a lot of our mercurial significations are going to be drawing upon the solar vitality. Um, when the sun moves into Virgo, it will be moving from zero to one degrees of Virgo uh, towards the end of the week. It will lose that dignity uh, by domicile and triplicity, but it, it will be in its own uh, decan in the first decan of Virgo. And right as it moves into the first uh, degrees of Virgo, it will be conjoining the fixed star Regulus, which is part of the constellation Leo. It is the heart of the lion in Leo. And um, like I said, because of that concept of procession, something that can give the native great glory. But we have to watch out for a particular nemesis when we talk about any of the royal fixed stars of Persia, of which Regulus is one. And the nemesis to, to take revenge if we feel like our pride is injured or if we are, you know, feel like we're treated um, poorly, um, we have to resist the urge to lash out or we can experience uh, a fall from grace. All right, so the sun will be, as I said, it will have ru rulership by Deccan in that first Deccan of Virgo. It will be in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Um, it is going to be co-present with uh, Mercury once it moves into Virgo. Uh, and then it will start to trine Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. So it will start to have a communication with those planets that are asking us for contraction. Um, it will also be sextiling Venus in the sign of Cancer, trining Uranus and Taurus, and then making an opposition to Neptune and Pisces. So we are trying to find clarity. We may be thinking about how we're going to uh, take care of the details of our plan we, it may require us to consolidate things and to compost some things in our life, but we may also be con, uh, experiencing some confusion with that opposition with, with Neptune. Um, we're being asked to do things in a new way, uh, but like I said, it may take some time to figure out how all the details fit into the bigger picture of our lives and the greater vision that we're trying to put forth into the world. Uh, the sun will be hosted by Mercury once it's in Virgo, and it will be co-present with its host. So again, we'll have this condition of Mercury and the sun traveling together once uh, the sun moves into Virgo. Saturn this week is in the sign of Capricorn. It is still moving retrograde in motion. Very slow right now. It's moving maybe about half a degree this week. It will be conjoining the fixed star Terabellum like it was last week, in the, which is part of the constellation Sagittarius. That's at 26 degrees of Capricorn. Uh, Saturn is in its own domicile. It is in its own temple. It has uh, the ability to draw upon its own resources and, and put forth its own agenda, uh, working with the qualities of time, um, again, composting and trying to uh, build structures, but also tear them down, things that have outlive their, their um, efficacy. Uh, it's co-present with Pluto and Jupiter, so that those are part of the Saturnian story this week. Um, it is in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees, so it is following Mars's curriculum, even though it's making an overcoming square to its term or bound ruler right now. Uh, it will be opposing Venus. Venus is going through that really difficult opposition to all the Capricorn planets right now where 
Um, Venus is in a sign that is concerned with growth and nurturing and, and how we provide for one another, but it is having to make compromises with living within the, the strict limitations that Saturn, Pluto, and, and Jupiter are providing right now. Um, Saturn is also making that overcoming square to Mars in Aries, kind of limiting our ability to move forward under our own power or forcing us to slow down with some of our ideas. It will also be making a trine to uh, Uranus and Taurus, sextiling Neptune and Pisces. And then once Mercury and the Sun move into Virgo, it will be uh, making a trine to those two planets as well. Its host is itself. It's in its own domicile. So again, it is kind of feeling comfortable in its own space right now. Jupiter will be moving uh, through the 18th degree of Capricorn. Again, very, very slow as these, I believe these planets are getting ready to, to move direct fairly soon. So they're kind of slowing down and, and stationing. Um, Jupiter is in a condition called fall right now where it's at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. Uh, Jupiter is a planet that um, likes to bring things together, to confirm, to be a bridge builder, uh, to expand consciousness and, and connect us to our higher selves. Um, but it's being provided for by Saturn right now. And that is a condition that's, you know, where it feels restricted. It, it's like we're trying to grow, but within a pot where we can't really um, spread out our roots right now. And that, and that requires us to be very uh, adaptive and uh, to, to kind of work within the space that we have. And we might not be able to put out as many leaves or flowers as we, we would want. We may have to grow a little bit crooked here and there. Um, but those are the conditions that we have to work within. Jupiter will be moving through the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. So uh, in the terms of Venus and Cancer. It will be co-present with Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, opposite Venus and Cancer, making an overcoming square to uh, Mars and Aries. Uh, it will be trining Uranus and Taurus by whole sign and sextiling uh, Neptune in Pisces, as well as trining Mercury and the Sun in Virgo once they shift into a different temple. Uh, Jupiter's host this week is the retrograde Saturn in Capricorn, which it is co-present with. So it is, it is co-present with its host, which is generally a condition that is fortuitous for the planet, but again, Jupiter and Saturn are, are somewhat opposites, one being the greater malefic Saturn and one being the greater benefic. So it's something that is trying to be conducive to life in a, in a position that is uh, the antithesis of it or the void. We're trying to grow within the void. It's, an, it's a very interesting mix. Uh, Mars will be moving from 24 to 26 degrees of Aries this week, uh, where it is in its own domicile. Uh, it, it will also be its own bound ruler or term ruler from 20 to 25 degrees of Aries. And then it'll move into the terms of Saturn from 26 to 30 degrees. So we'll, we'll see it move out of its own terms at the very end of the week. Uh, this is a challenging week for Mars because Mars is receiving a very difficult square from Saturn and Capricorn. You can see in our chart here that it's it's almost exact this week. It'll be we're going to be feeling the the gears grinding from the Mars Saturn square. So I want you to look at the areas of your life represented by the house that Aries is in, where Mars is. You're trying to move forward with some part of your life. 
but you may be receiving some kind of limitation from the Capricorn area of your life. So those are the two parts that are in conflict right now, and it may, may be fueling some frustration. I guess my advice on that would be to work with the quality of time with your patience. Uh, I know that, that Mars and Aries is not known for its patience, but that is really what has the upper hand right now. Saturn is that quality of maturation, of t working with time to, to move forward within your life, to build for the long term versus burning yourself out. If we didn't have this Saturnian limitation, we might be going gung-ho in, in an unsustainable direction. And what Saturn is doing right now is giving us potentially the balance point so that we don't burn out with the projects that we want to initiate with Mars in Aries. Uh, so Mars will be re receiving that overcoming square from Saturn, also from Jupiter and also from Pluto. So it's that trifecta of planets trying to slow down Mars right now. Last week, we experienced Mars making a, a perfecting its square to Pluto, bringing up some, some things from the depths, uh, maybe some corruption that we were unaware of in our, in our uh, Capricorn area of our chart. Um, maybe within the structures that we are living within as well, that third decan of Capricorn is concerned with power structures. Um, as I'm recording this on Friday the 14th, um, the United States Congress has gone to a recess before uh, putting forth or agreeing upon any stimulus package. Um, I believe there was an executive order put forth by the president um, trying to uh, use his power to make financial decisions, which is um, actually illegal in our country with our separation of executive and um, congressional branches of power, legislative branch there. Um, so, you know, we're seeing a, a potential power grab uh, with Mars squaring Pluto last week. And we may see something happen with Mars squaring Saturn where the repercussions, where the, the renegotiation or the, the, the no comes in. And that no may come from just a realization that in this particular country, those branches are separate and that the president does not actually have the authority to make those, the, those financial decisions. So that's just one possible manifestation as we look to the news to, to see how some of these things may play out in our collective. Um, and this is going to be true in your own life too. So as above, so below, as the collective, so individual, we're all reflections of those, of those correspondences and those energies. All right. Uh, so again, we're going to be seeing Mars receiving a square from Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. Mars is going to be making its own overcoming square to Venus. So remember, in Hellenistic astrology, we have these kind of positions where one particular planet is going to have the upper hand. So while Saturn has and Jupiter and Pluto have the upper hand over Mars, Mars has the upper hand over Venus. So we may be trying to bring something into reconciliation in the Cancerian part of our life with things having to do with nurturing, with family, domesticity, uh, potentially uh, the, the residence that we're living in, but we're receiving this kind of um, conflict from Mars and Aries that is maybe making it a little bit uncomfortable right now. Uh, Mars and Aries will also be trining uh, the Sun and Mercury while it is still in Leo. So get while the getting's good, while that Mars-Sun uh, aspect is still active, 
like at the beginning of the week, that Mercury Mars aspect will be perfecting. So it's a good time to, to maybe communicate and advocate for yourself, especially when we're moving through the third decan of Leo with those particular two planets. Um, that, that decan is all about defending your right to be. That's a Mars ruled decan. That's where you're, you've tried to craft identity through the first two decans of Leo. The first decan being where you are maybe uh, trying to figure out who you were and maybe having some confusion with that, with that being a Saturn ruled decan. In the second decan, there is a hard one authenticity with a Jupiter ruled decan. And then when we move into the third decan of Leo, that's the double Mars ruled one where we're defending uh, the, the autonomy and the sovereignty that we've worked so hard to gain through our journey through Leo. Um, so this may be just uh, where there may, you may be receiving attack and, uh, as far as um, your position. You may be not wanting to give up a position of power. I talked about last week that um, Donald Trump has his ascendant and his Mars in the third decan of Leo, and there's been a lot of talk in the collective of him not conceding power peacefully if he happens to lose the election, and that's really part of the the story or maybe the negative side of the of the third decan of Leo that we have to watch out for. Um, but this is happening in our own personal lives as well. All right, so Mars is in its own, own domicile, so it's able to draw upon its own resources and, and, and really fight for what it wants. Uh, Venus this week will be moving through the second and, or the first and second decan of Cancer. It's moving from nine degrees of Cancer to 16 degrees of Cancer this week. It will be uh, in its own decan in the first decan. It will have rulership by face. It is the triplicity ruler of the water signs by day, which means it has communal support. So this is a great time to gain support for your endeavors in the Cancerian area of your life. Uh, it will be on its own terms in the middle degrees of Cancer. Um, it's on the it starts off the week on the terms of Mars from zero to seven degrees moves to the terms of Venus, its own terms from 7 to 13 degrees, and then ends up in the terms of Mercury from 13 to 19 degrees. And remember, terms is like uh, a planet that is setting the curriculum for that particular planet. We explore all these different types of dignity so we can get, our, get to nuanced interpretations of the planets. And I tend to enjoy specificity, and I really like the details. So this is something that you're going to get here on this channel is a very detailed analysis. And I will admit it may not be for everyone. Uh, last week, I, uh, right as uh, Mercury was conjoining the, um, I believe it was uh, one of the celestial asses, the one, the one that was more negative that was associated with criticism, um, I received some criticism about the length and the detailed analysis that I put on here. And I thought it was really funny because it really uh, demonstrated um, Mercury on that fixed star, which was associated with criticism. And uh, I just had to kind of chuckle to myself a little bit. And I guess my response to that is uh, there are lots of astrology forecasts and podcasts and things out there on the interwebs that may be more bite-sized type of uh, experiences. And I'm not offended if those are the ones that you want to go pursue. But um, I'm just doing what I love here, and what I love is is detailed analysis. So, uh, sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> like, okay, so Venus is going to be conjoining uh, a few fixed stars this week that we'll talk about as well. Uh, it's going to be conjoining Alhina 
at 10 degrees of Cancer, which is part of the constellation Gemini. Alhina is the heel of Pollux, so it is part, the part of the uh, constellation where the deity is touching the Earth. So we'll break that down a little bit in our daily. It will also be conjoining the fixed star Sirius, which is a very bright fixed star in the sky in the constellation Canis Major. And the Sirius was a, a, the fixed star when it rose um, in Egyptian times, it, it heralded the return of the fertility to the Nile River Valley. So it was a very important fixed star in Egyptian and ancient culture. Uh, and then finally, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Canopus at 15 degrees of Cancer, which is part of the constellation of the Argo, which was the great ship that's sailing into the unknown. And uh, we may be ex exploring new territory within our relationships with Venus conjoining that particular fixed star. Uh, the aspects that Venus is making this week is, is of course, the oppositions to all those Capricorn planets uh, at, um, with Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto being um, opposing Venus, creating some challenges within our relationships, asking us to balance out our growth instincts with our contraction and limitation uh, circumstances. We're going to be receiving an overcoming square of, of Mars to Venus from Aries. And then uh, Venus will also be trining Neptune, creating a little bit of a dreamy type of uh, idealism. Uh, and it'll be sextiling Uranus and Taurus, encouraging us to, to try out things in a, in, a, in a different way, especially in the way that we deal with our material resources. When Mercury and the Sun move into Virgo, uh, they will also be receiving a sextile from uh, Venus and Cancer. The host of Venus this week is the Moon. So the moon is the ruler of the sign of cancer. Uh, and the, the moon this week is waning from its balsamic phase to the new moon phase, and then will begin to wax again into the crescent phase. So we've got like a, we're kind of um, finishing up old business and then planting the new seed. Uh, so that may, we may be feeling that in our relationships and the way that we're trying to create harmony as well. Mercury this week is going to be starting off in Leo, the third decan of Leo, moving from 24 to 30 degrees, conjoining that fixed star Alphard, which is part of the constellation, the Hydra. Um, in the final degrees of Leo, Mercury is peregrine. Um, it will be in the terms of Mars from 24 to 30 degrees. And Mercury right now is under the beams as it moves into that Kazemi moment. So it's hidden beneath the beams of the sun. Uh, it will be co-present with the sun and conjoining it exactly, excuse me, on Monday. It will be uh, receiving a trine from Mars in Aries and also squaring Uranus in Taurus. Its host is the sun in Leo where it is co-present. Um, when we are talking about peregrine planets, that means that they are devoid of any uh, dignity, any essential dignity. So they're kind of like strangers in a foreign land. Um, that was a condition that was not, not necessarily ideal in ancient astrology. So um, we will be seeing Mercury, though, improve its dignity quite a bit when it moves into Virgo on Wednesday the 19th. So this is a really interesting position for Mercury. Um, Mercury is going to be moving from zero to seven degrees of Virgo through the middle of the week. It, it has rulership by domicile, where it's in its own home. 
It is also the only planet that has domicile and exaltation rulership in the same sign. So Mercury is both exalted and the host of this particular area of the zodiac. It also has rulership by terms from zero to seven degrees. So if you're trying to do mercurial things at the, at the middle of the week, you're going to have a lot of power and support for mercury significations, communication, learning new skills, um, being able to potentially uh, do new commerce, um, anything that requires a discriminating mind where you're able to separate things into categories and organize your life. That's going to be really well supported at the, at the middle of the week here. Um, Mercury is going to conjoin the fixed star Regulus at zero degrees of Virgo. And then the fixed star Thuban, which is part of the constellation Draco the Dragon, which is very close to the celestial pole star Polaris and that area of the sky that is very still. Um, Thuban used to be the pole star back in ancient times, so we'll talk about some of those significations as well. Uh, Mercury will be moving through its own terms from zero to seven degrees, and then in the terms of Venus from seven to 17 degrees. It will be co-present with its host, the Sun in Virgo. It will be trining Uranus in Taurus, sextiling Venus in Cancer, and then trining, making an overcoming trine to uh, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. And finally, it'll be opposing Neptune and Pisces. Now, that'll be lending a lot of flexibility to our need to compost and consolidate things in our life with Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter. So uh, Hermes, Mercury, is going to be lending a lot of support to that process that we're going to be going through. Uh, of course, Hermes will be in its own domicile. It'll be its own host when it's in Virgo. And finally, the moon this week is going to be starting off waning in, in the balsamic phase, which means it's the dark moon, the little sliver before the new moon, where we're just releasing everything that wasn't serving us from the last cycle, consolidating all the wisdom as we get ready for a new, a new start. And then on, um, on Tuesday, we, we have a new moon uh, at 26 degrees of Leo, and it will continue to wax uh, to the crescent phase this week. When the moon is moving through Cancer, it's in its own domicile and will have rulership in the third face. The moon is peregrine or without dignity in the sign of Leo. It will be the triplicity ruler, ruler of the earth signs in Virgo. It will have uh, rulership by face in the first decan of Libra. And then it will move into its fall in Scorpio. So we're going through we have a really interesting week where we're going to start off at the very end of one sign and end up in the very beginning of another, we're going to move through five different signs this week. And that doesn't happen every week. We're going to have a, a lot of different um, uh, energies for the moon that we're going to be working through. So we might be a little moody this week. All right. So that's what I've got for the planetary condition report. Hopefully you're finding this useful or some of you are. And again, like I said, this may not be for everyone, but again, that's okay. Let's see what we're looking for here. I almost can't help it. I've got Jupiter and Virgo. You're going to get a, a cascade of details. I actually have Jupiter on Thuban. So all of the, the things we'll talk about with Thuban at seven degrees of Virgo, um, talking about guarding 
uh, a, a hoard of treasure and the need to let it flow out of you versus keeping it to yourself is uh, all part of the, the Jupiter story here and, and how I'm trying to, to teach things. Um, I've found that instead of hoarding my knowledge, my life works a lot better if I just let it flow through me like a, like a river. And people will be able to pick and choose what works for them. And then if some of the things aren't useful for them, then they can um, be their own kind of, um, oh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, separator, you know, like their own kind of uh, discriminator about that. But I'm going to put it out there. And if you find it useful, there you go. Anyway, let's move forward to Monday, the 17th. On Monday, August the 17th, the moon is going to start out in the sign of Cancer and move into Leo at 1.38 a.m. We're going to begin our week in the balsamic phase, which I've, I've talked a little bit about already being kind of a, a phase that is wrapping up the old lunar cycle. Um, we are seeing a square from the moon to Uranus at 8.01 p.m. Um, that's our only lunar aspect of the day, so we may get some surprises throughout the day as we are applying the moon towards Uranus or, or being required to do things in a new way. We do have two non-lunar aspects that include Mercury. So the first of which we are going to experience is a trine from Mercury to Mars. So you can see this here where Mercury and Mars are having a, a positive conversation with one another. And this is a Excuse me. This is a an aspect where we are experiencing Mercury in the third decan of Leo, which we've talked about defending identity. Um, Mercury is a planet that likes to uh, question things and likes is is basically the cosmic lawyer in the courtroom. So we may be questioning our ability to defend identity, or we may be giving arguments in favor of defending who we are, and what we are all about. Um, we're defending our position of authority. That's another uh, signification of this particular area of the zodiac. And it's going to be receiving a trine from Mars in the third decan of Aries, which is all about using charisma to move forward in your, in your life or to also to uh, defend your position of authority. So this may be a time where you're able to forcefully uh, defend who you are and win over a hostile audience with this particular uh, aspect. Um, so we talk about themes of charisma and courage. Mars is overcoming, so this may heat up our communications. We may be, uh, we may be less patient with, um, with each other right now as we want to just kind of really express who we are and what we're all about and what we want. So we may have to, to be careful about overdoing it with the heatedness of our, of our passionate communication. We may have some really sharp opinions that we, uh, uh, when we might get into some fierce debates or spirited debates. Uh, Ren Butler in his really great book, The Archetypal Universe, talks about protest songs, um, passionate writing or communication, uh, mental heat. This may be a time when you're speaking up for yourself too and defending your right to be. So the seed of this Mercury-Mars conjunction, we always have to look at where the, the beginning of this cycle was was around uh, September the 3rd of 2019, where Mercury made a conjunction with Mars at 10 degrees of Virgo. So you may be looking back at that period of time where you initiated something that now it is coming to 
more to a, a place of, of harmony between those, those two planets. Okay, uh, the other important aspect of the day is that Mercury will be having its Kazemi moment at roughly 25 degrees of Leo at 11.07 a.m. And that Kazemi moment is when Mercury is conjoining or in the heart of the sun. So this is an important moment in the mercurial cycle. Uh, we can think of Mercury had a number of different roles uh, in mythology, in ancient Greek mythology, one of which was the role of the psychopomp, which was um, his role of going between the land of the living and guiding the souls to the land of the dead. And so when Mercury is the psychopomp, he is, he is traveling in the underworld and he is, uh, you know, searching for potentially in this case, we may be searching for, for knowledge, searching for identity, searching for ways to de defend our turf. And uh, this is a, a, a time when Mercury is invisible. Uh, remember, Mercury has this kind of quality of invisibility as well. That I believe that Mercury, is, when it is the psychopomp, is wearing the cloak of Hades. So let's take a look at this real quick because this is kind of neat. We're going over to our chart. And what we're seeing is here's Mercury. Okay, and let's go to Monday the 17th. If we zoom in on this, you could see that Mercury is exactly in the heart of the sun there, right conjoined on the ecliptic, you know, in the constellation of Leo here. And it's going to be uh, conjoining very closely a fixed star called Alphard. And this is Alphard right here, which is, I believe, the brightest star in the constellation called Hydra. Okay, so here is Hydra. You can see it's a very long constellation. It is, I believe, the longest unbroken constellation in the sky. And Hydra talks about passion. Um, there is some significations with poisoning, um, with uh, trying to uh, come to a uh, passionate position, potentially obsession. This was the heart of the serpent. We'll break this down too when the exact conjunction of that happens. But, but, but the Hydra story in Alfard is going to be part of our Mercury Kazemi moment. Okay. Um, now, this is the superior conjunction. That means that Mercury is coming from the, if, you, if we go back in time, you could see Mercury right here. It is. See how it is coming from earlier in the zodiac. It's direct in motion through the ecliptic, and it makes that conjunction right here. If it was in the inferior position, it would be retrograding back into the conjunction with the sun. So that's the difference. Superior is when it's in direct motion, inferior with retrograde motion. Okay. Now, there are a lot of astrologers that call the inferior conjunction sort of the new, quote-unquote, new moon of the Mercury cycle. And, and there are many others that call the superior conjunction the full moon or something coming to uh, fruition. So we may be coming to fruition with some kind of hard-won identity. We may be saying, this is who I am. Now I feel more comfortable defending who this is and, and moving out into the world and, and maybe don't have to feel shame or guilt for, for who I am and what I do and what I put out into the world. And you can look at this as a watershed moment where you may really be, be able to find that truth and that authenticity in the underworld of our subconscious or of our 
of our deep within our hearts and within our minds. Mercury is using that cloak of invisibility to be able to, to search out that meaning and that heartfelt authenticity right now. Um, so to keep, keep your eyes peeled as to what you discover potentially about yourself and or in the in the Leo ruled area of your chart. This could play out in a number of different ways. If you have Leo in the first house, it could be about who you are. If it's in the second house, it could be about how you make your money and your resources. Third house, it could be about how you how you learn or how you communicate with or how you have a relationship with siblings or people that are parts of your community. Um, you could have some realizations about your roots in the fourth house and so on and so forth around the wheel. So it's important to kind of uh, look at your own ascendant and your own rising sign and your own chart to figure out where this, is, this story is going to be playing out. All right. So let's move back to our chart. And we're going to see that we have one other important movement with the planets, and that is Venus moving into the second decan of Cancer at the very end of the day. So right around 11 p.m. or so. Venus moves into the second decan or the second 10 degree section of Cancer. Now, this particular decan is ruled by Mercury and Mars in the Chaldean and the Triplicity system. It is associated with the Three of Cups in our Tarot system. And the Three of Cups shows three figures or three graces in celebration. This was uh, called Abundance. This card was called Abundance by Book T and Book of Toth. Austin Coppett calls it a walled garden. There are three prominent fixed stars that we talked about in this particular decan. Alhina, the heel of Pollux at 10 degrees. Sirius, the brightest star in Canis Major at 14 degrees. And then Canopus, the navigator of the Argo at 15 degrees. Um, this decan speaks about uh, growth within a certain specific environment. Um, those three graces in this card are were attendants to the Olympian gods and providing for their needs. The, there is some stories of these attendants providing um, you know, or being able to bathe Aphrodite. And this may be uh, interesting because we are actually seeing Aphrodite in this particular decan. So your relationship may be uh, attended to by some sort of grace right now. There may be an ability to nurture our relationship and, and bring some uh, purifying type of quality to it, uh, where we are potentially consolidating and getting rid of some of the things that aren't working with these oppositions to Capricorn planets. And that may be providing new directions of growth. Now, the, the, the key is that we have to grow within and we have to protect our our little seed that we've planted in this particular area. So it, it's very important for you to, right now to allow the nurturing to happen. What this, Venus is a planet that is about letting things come to you. Um, we don't have to force growth right now. We, we're, we have to allow the growth to come to us. We have to have our quality of patience. We do have to nurture. But again, with any garden, um, we can't overwater. We can't overfertilize. We have to just do just enough to keep it, to let nature do its work. And I think that that's what this position of Venus in the second decan is all about. It's about uh, letting nature take its course, doing just enough to, to nudge it in the right direction, being able to purify our home 
our relationships, how we take care of one another. This is a great time to clean out your house, get rid of the stuff that you don't want, to beautify your home. Uh, in, in looking at the Cancerian area of, of your chart too, will we'll give you some extra insight into what area of your life is requiring that purification. Remember, Venus also is associated with cleanliness and ritual. Um, Venus was responsible for the purity of the Greek dramas and the ancient Greek theater. So we are able to find catharsis through this process right now. So again, great time to prepare, I guess, for, for Virgo season by making your home as functional and beautiful as you can, because it seems like we may be spending some more time in it. Uh, as we move forward into the school year, especially if a lot of schools aren't necessarily opening back up in person and we're working from home, maybe carving out a nice place for the kids to do their work, getting all your school supplies organized, you know, finding specific work areas that people will feel comfortable in, you know, creating some comfort will help be helpful. Um, and and that, that's good so that we don't drive each other crazy too, having our own little spaces. I know that for me personally, if my workspace is clean and uncluttered, that helps free my mind up to, to flow information a lot better as well. So that's something that we may be experiencing. All right, let's move forward to uh, Tuesday. But before I do, uh, one last thing that we have to, to talk about a little bit is that the moon at about 7.42 p.m., will have moved under the bond. And that's a condition where the moon is moving within 15 degrees of either a conjunction or an opposition with a new or a full moon. And this was said to be like the moon was a planet, was the planet that brought, or the light, the luminary, that brought things into being or passed them out of being. It was like a membrane where energy, celestial energy could come in or go out. And when the moon is under the bond, it, it, is, it is under the beams of the sun, and it's more difficult for it to bring things into being. It's kind of like it's hidden, like Mercury is. So it may be a little more frustrating to manifest um, or to get rid of things in this case. So, um, but it's important to, to recognize the moment when the moon comes into the bond and out of the bond, because that is a moment of uh, phosphorus which is an omen that is speaking extra loud. So pay attention to what happens around 7.45 or so on, on Monday evening, because that may give you a really some insight into what this new moon cycle may be all about. All right, let's move forward to Tuesday. When we move forward to Tuesday, August the 17th, put the, um, the sun on the ascendant. I'll move forward in my notes here. On Tuesday the 18th, the moon is going to be in Leo. We're going to be moving from the very end of that balsamic phase to our new moon at 1041 p.m. So mostly a balsamic type of day before the moon becomes renewed in the evening if you're on Eastern Daylight Time like I am. But it may be a little bit different depending on where you're listening around the world. Uh, the moon is going to be making a trine to Mars at, in Aries at 24 degrees of Leo and Aries at 7.50 p.m., shortly before the new moon. Um, and then the new moon is going to be happening at 10.41 p.m. The only non-lunar aspect of the day is a sextile between 
Venus and retrograde Uranus at 3.27 p.m. at 10 degrees of Cancer and Taurus, respectively. So we'll break that down in a second, but let's talk about this new moon a little bit, and, and let's unpack um, Alphard just a little bit more as well, since this is happening very close to this particular fixed star. Now, one of the things that we want to think about, and let's go forward in time to this moment so we can see what all is going on. So here is roughly the new moon phase um, at about 26 degrees. So Mercury will be part of this story because Mercury has just completed its Kazemi uh, in the heart of the sun, its renewal, and it is it is going to be coming out of that underworld journey and eventually making its appearance as the evening star when it it, it uh, is outside of a 15 degree um, arc of separation from the sun. So we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that when that happens in a, roughly a week and a half or so. Um, this this new new moon is going to be part of that third decan that we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks, where we see in the seven of wands a figure defending his uh, his turf, defending his territory. This may be a moment where we we um, may feel that we are under attack. We we any time that we establish an authentic identity and we say who we are, it also uh, necessitates us saying what we are not, even if it's just implied. And this is a, a moment, this is a lunar cycle where we may feel that we have worked very hard to establish who we are, especially with Mercury's journey in the underworld, and we may get some blowback. The fact of the matter is, is that we can't please everyone all the time. And if we are truly being honest and truly being authentic, uh, there will be some folks that don't necessarily um, vibrate on the same frequency that we do. And, you know, I experienced that myself with getting some, some negative feedback on my, my channel last week. And uh, most, and then, you know, here's the thing. Most of the feedback I get is very positive. And, I, you know, I, I have really some great supporters of this channel who constantly give me really like good encouraging feedback every week. Um, the, the fact of the matter is that human nature is, is that we see that, but we can tend to focus on the one negative thing out of like 20 positive comments. And that, that may be what we're feeling a little bit with this new moon too, is we have to recognize that we, with our success, we may get some blowback and we have to really think about whether that criticism is constructive a like because because maybe that will be some constructive criticism um if they're like for example if if i make a, a factual error on my forecast i i will welcome uh that feedback in my comments if it's useful and i can learn something from it if it's basically like i don't like this you're not my cup of tea that to me is unconstructive criticism and it's not really, you know, that's, there's a difference and you have to figure out which, which is which. And it's, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of detachment, I guess, from, from our egos to be able to determine which of those we are receiving. That takes listening, you know? So we may find with this new moon cycle that we receive some sort of criticism and 
we have to try to figure out if it is constructive and that we can learn from it, or if it's just noise where people are expressing uh, their right to be versus uh, our right to be. And everybody right now is getting a little testy with Mars in Aries and the square with Pluto and with um, Saturn. We've all been in quarantine too long. Um, we want to fight something, you know. I think that uh, I think that what I will experience on some level is that a lot of us right now have had to um, witness a lot of things that are out of our control in the collective that we may be really upset about. Um, I think that we're experiencing a lot of oppression right now with the systems that we're a part of. We have to follow a lot of rules that we may or may not agree with. Um, we're just experiencing a lot of frustration uh, with each other because we, a lot of us maybe believe different things than, than other people. And it's very easy to, to lash out right now in the only way that we really have, um, I guess, some sort of anonymity, which is on the internet. And it's, it's very easy to fire off and to um, almost uh, project some of that anger onto easy targets on the internet. And I, I, would, I would caution you um, with that if you're feeling that this week. Uh, and also, um, if you do come under fire like that too, take a deep breath. You don't have to respond right away. You can just kind of let it wash over you and say, is this really meaningful? Am I learning something from this? Or is this someone potentially just uh, letting off steam? And if you give yourself that space of time, this is really, I think, what the Saturn overcoming square to Mars right now is, you know, you're going to save yourself a lot of headache rather than getting into an argument or whatever. You can say, okay, that, you know, that's your thing. And, and I, this is my thing. And, and it's okay for you to go about your business. And that may be really helpful, I think, this week as we see the new moon in this particular area of the zodiac. Now, there may be some circumstances where you do have to defend your right to be, and you do have a situation where uh, someone is trying to usurp your authority in a position that is very important to you. And that is the time when you have to dig deep and find the courage and will to defend who you are. Um, this, this area of the zodiac is all about the indomitable will or the spirit that is unconquerable. Um, imagine your inner um, uh, Mel Gibson in Braveheart, you know, giving yourself a pep talk. I know he's not the greatest example of like stuff, but that particular speech will, will give you uh, some insight into uh, maybe you have your back against the wall and you need to, to light the flame of, uh, of your own particular authenticity and willpower. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about Alfard a little more because this is uh, part of our story that we're gonna be experiencing on Tuesday, okay? And here we can see that when we are having our new moon, all right, let's go forward in time a little bit. You can see the moon's right here. Okay, it's new, it's, it's conjoining the sun. Okay, that's always a new moon. And Alfard is right here. You can see by projected ecliptical degree, this is part of our story. All right. Now, a few more significations with this serpent. It's really, there's some interesting lore around it. Um, there is a belief that Alfard, since it was a very long and winding constellation, 
you can see that it really stretches across a long section of the sky over the constellation area of the zodiac associated with Leo and Virgo. Um, they thought that this was the path of the moon uh, in, in some ancient uh, historical star lore. And that led to a belief of, of, the, uh, of calling this um, the head and the tail of the dragon, of calling the, the nodes of the moon, sorry, the head and the tail of the dragon, the north node and the south node, K2 and Rahu, respectively, uh, because of this path, the head of the dragon or the snake or the serpent and the tail. Okay, so there's a little bit of a, you know, little star facts right there. The Greeks thought of this as a star creature that attacked the Argo. And the Argo is down here. I'll zoom out. The Argo is the ship. So there's the ship and the great sea creature that may have attacked that great ship when Jason and the Argonauts were searching for the golden fleece. Um, they also called this uh, the, the dragon Tiamat. Okay. Um, so Alfard was associated with strong, violent passions, potentially with poisoning and like snake bites, uh, obsessively pursuing a goal, intensity. It's the heart of the serpent. It could also be associated with a sharp tongue, like a violent outburst or a secret, excuse me, being revealed. So we need to be careful with this new moon that we don't lash out and, and try to bite people when we're, if we're feeling under attack, we have to be really mindful of that when we're moving through this particular lunar cycle. Okay. Um, the last aspect of Tuesday is that sextile between Uranus and Venus. So this may be something where we're ex experiencing some kind of unexpected support, possibly from uh, women in our life, uh, Venus being the natural significator of women or feminine energy. Uh, we could have some relationship breakthroughs. If we're artists, we could be uh, experimenting with very vivid experimental colors or things like that. Uh, we may have some new, new freedom or discussions of freedom with our partners and how we uh, give and receive love with one another. Uh, this is a, a liberating aspect. Now, Venus will be conjoined the fixed star Alhina at 10 degrees of Cancer at this particular point as well. So Alhina... And we will look at this back to our star chart here. So Alhina is the heel of Pollux. So you can see here's Venus. And here is Alhina. And Alhina is part of the constellation Gemini, Pollux being the dark twin or the, uh, I believe, the immortal twin that had to give up part of its immortality so that its brother Castor could live after he experienced uh, death at the hand of a different twin, set of twins. Um, and the heel of Pollux is called the proudly marching one. Now, anytime a constellation associated with a deity uh, touches the earth, quote unquote, uh, or, or appears to, um, this is a quality of the divine manifesting on earth. And they, the, the star lore that I've read talks about whenever a deity touches the earth, it sustains a kind of wound or some kind of, uh, oh, I don't know, um, besmirchment, right? Or some kind of like, you know, like you can think of this as the Achilles heel, like some kind of vulnerability. It's like the, the earth is being blessed by that deity, but the God itself is sustaining an injury. 
So we can talk about Alhina as proudly marching for some kind of social cause, especially with Venus. It could be re related to women's rights. There could be some kind of speaking out or, or protesting regarding uh, women's rights. The last time we had this sextile uh, between Venus and Uranus, uh, when Uranus was direct, uh, we had a, uh, an announcement from the Supreme Court regarding women's rights. And I believe that this was um, when Venus was in Aries. I don't remember. There was a, there was a context, a contact between Venus and, and Uranus, or I, I believe, no, it was Mercury, excuse me. It was, it was another planet making contact with this area of, of Taurus, okay? So we may see some more things regarding uh, women, women reproductive rights, something like that coming up potentially, how we nurture and care for one another. Um, potentially, maybe we'll see some movement with the, the stimulus package that we've been waiting on, although I won't hold my breath because it seems like that Congress has... Uh, um, recessed until the beginning of September, which coincides very well with the uh, retrograde of Mars um, that comes up in the next few weeks, and then the additional squaring with Saturn. We're going to see another hit of that Mars-Saturn square at the end of the month when Mars is retrograde. So that's when we may be getting back to business. And in the meantime, there's a, you know, people are, are suffering or people are, you know, be feeling frustrated that they're not receiving what they, what they need right now. Okay, so that's what's going on with Alhina and Venus. So let's move forward to Wednesday the 19th. And on Wednesday the 19th, the moon will be moving into Virgo at 4.20 a.m. It will escape the bond roughly around 1 a.m. And that's when it escapes that 15-degree uh, conjunction with the sun. Let's see. Actually, that might happen on Thursday. Forgive me. Yeah, we're not escaping the bond yet until Thursday or Wednesday night. Yeah, there it is. So it's Thursday morning. So it'll escape the bond Thursday morning, the 20th. But before all that happens, so again, Wednesday, if I'm backing up, forgive me for my error in my notes. Um, we're going to see the moon conjoin Mercury at 1.38 a.m. at 28 degrees of Leo. And then the moon will move into Virgo at 4.20 a.m. And then it'll make a trine to retrograde Uranus at roughly 10 p.m., okay, at 10, at 10 degrees of Virgo and, Tor and Taurus. Uh, the big news of the day is that Mercury will be moving into the sign of Virgo at about 9.30 p.m., okay? So we can see here, Mercury is going to be moving into Virgo, right around here, and exactly conjoining the fixed star Regulus as it moves into Virgo. Now, let's first talk about the first decade of Virgo and Virgo in general. Virgo is a mutable or double-bodied Earth sign, it is, which means that it is a transitionary uh, point in the tropical zodiac between the summer. It is the last sign of summer as we are transitioning from the summer to the fall. So Mercury is associated with uh, bringing about doubt, 
uncertainty. It is destabilizing. Uh, it is it, it, its mother was the knight, so it is is helping to bring about the dominance of the knight again. So we're um, releasing the uh, the dominance of the of the sun and of the light and getting ready for that transition of the length of day being shorter than the nighttime. Because once we move through the sign of Virgo, we reach the fall equinox at Libra, where the dark begins to ascend. So this is the destabilization of the light. And anytime we have a Mercury-ruled sign or a Mercury-ruled area of the, of the zodiac, um, we may be asking ourselves a lot of questions. Mercury is the cosmic lawyer, is, the, is questioning things. In Virgo, Mercury is uh, very skilled. Mercury, uh, you know, in, in um, mythology, Mercury had a lot of associations with being able to play music. He was a, an athlete. He was very quick and witty. Um, so there's all these kind of significations of learning very quickly, being very precocious, um, little baby Hermes had a lot of adventures and like built himself like a basically a guitar or a lyre out of a a tortoise shell so there's some really interesting stories with that he was very uh mischievous um so there is some some associations with reskilling um this particular area of the zodiac is associated with the tarot card the eight of pentacles and in that card uh, which is called prudence in Book T and Book of Toth, The Eight of Pentacles, and also A Tree Bearing Fruit by Austin Kopic in his book, 36 Faces. We see an apprentice that is working very hard at his craft, uh, and, and they talk about it of being maybe an apprentice of an advanced age. So this is an area of the Zodiac where it's important to, uh, even if you have been um, worked very hard in a particular area of your life, it's never too late to, to learn. It's never too late to, to learn new skills. Uh, and the skills are, are important. Uh, this is an, a time of year, if we think about it in association with agriculture, where we are uh, trying to harvest all of the knowledge and all of the fruits of our labors. And we have to be very discriminating and sort things into categories and get rid of the things that we don't want to store for the winter. So in Gemini, we may be learning for just the sheer joy of learning and, and we may be going in all these different directions and collecting all these facts and all these like tri all this trivia in Virgo. They're saying, I don't have time to do everything. I have to figure out what stays and what goes. And this may be a time where it's really supported with what have you been doing over the course of the summer? What have you been trying to grow? What have, are you able to store for the impending shortages of winter and what needs to be discarded that no longer serves your energy. So it's all about efficiency. So Mercury in Virgo is, is a very efficient, organizational type of archival type of energy. All right. Um, and the fixed stars, we have Regulus and Thuban. We'll, we'll unpack that. Um, so we talk about skillfulness, practical application, uh, craftsmanship, learning, an apprentice of advanced age, the beginning of the harvest, discernment, preparing for transition from light to dark. All right. Uh, let's see. Any place that Mercury is, we're going to be questioning things. So I think part of the reason why Virgo, we have this sort of, I don't know if it's necessarily an insecurity, but there's definitely some skepticism and doubt with Virgo is wherever Mercury is and wherever Mercury rules, 
we like to ask questions and we, we start to, to, to have a, this feeling of uncertainty. It's opposite Jupiter is the feeling of certainty, belief. I know this, right? Whereas Mercury is like, I wonder, uh, what if? Uh, this doesn't make sense. How do I learn something new here? So uh, I, I, and with, with three planets in Virgo, I have a, a strong, strong inclination to ask questions and to, to doubt um, certainty with knowledge. I, I don't consider myself a guru or anything of that nature. I consider myself a seeker. And I will probably eternally be a seeker. And, you know, even if I gain some skillfulness in whatever area, I'm constantly going to be pursuing new knowledge. And I think the key is weeding out what is useful and what isn't. All right. So let's move forward and talk a little bit about Regulus because Regulus is going to be part of our Mercury story and our solar story this week. If we look at Regulus, Regulus, and I'll go to Wednesday the 19th where we can see, uh, if we zoom in here, Mercury is right here uh, and Regulus is right here in the heart of the lion, okay? So this is the constellation Leo, which because of precession covers most of the tropical sign of Virgo. And also because of precession, very recently within, I would say the last 20 years or so, 10 to 20 years, Regulus has moved from the very final degrees of Leo, it used to be hanging out at 29 Leo for quite some time, into the very beginning degrees of Virgo. And that is very interesting. And that may speak to, uh, I'm just speculating here, but that may speak to uh, a royal nature in becoming skilled or potentially questioning royalty, right? This may be a humbling of, of kings. Um, Regulus was one of the royal, four royal fixed star, or four royal stars of Persia that marked out the solstices and the equinoxes in ancient times. Um, this is a fixed star that grants success and power in abundance, but it comes at, at, a, at a price, and that, or it comes with a test, a nemesis. And this particular nemesis is to, to be able to wield power responsibly without the, you know, falling prey to the taking revenge on anyone that challenges your authority. Um, and this is, this is, we see this playing out in our uh, American story right now because our president, Donald Trump, his uh, ascendant is right on the fixed star, Regulus. And that has been one of his downfalls is when he, he wields power, but a lot of the times he'll get himself into trouble when he lashes out on people that disagree with him uh, and things of that nature. So we, we have a very prominent historical figure right now that is giving us some, some regulus energy and potentially the, some of the downsides of it. All right, let's see here. Actually, there's our moon. What is this reflection that we have here? We've got some kind of like, a, I'm looking at my chart and I'm seeing like a lens flare. I thought that was the moon, but there's the moon right there. Go back up. There's our new moon. Anyway, um, so resist the urge to lash, lash out at others, especially if you're the recipient of some negative criticism or some gossip or things like that. Again, your patience and your dignity is what's going to serve you. This, this is a royal fixed star. 
if you are truly have a confidence in who you are and what you are about, you won't need to respond to every single criticism that is levied at you. This is kind of the, in, instead of uh, lowering yourself to this like, um, I don't know, more immature, uh, you know, back and forth, this is just kind of feeling uh, confident in who you are and knowing what you're all about. And in that case, you don't always have to defend your right to be, you just are. And, and the best leaders sometimes, while they do take into account constructive criticism and they do listen to things, they, uh, most of them are impervious to, I guess, the, the, the trolls of life that are just trying to stir things up. You know? So I guess what I would say with Mercury on Regulus and the sun uh, further on in the week is try not to take the bait. Um, you may you may feel that you have to really like get into it with people, but uh, there is a, a pitfall that is waiting to 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 humble you if you take that bait. All right, um, and again, the other four fixed stars are you know Regulus was associated with Leo and the summer solstice in ancient times. Antares was the heart of the Scorpion, and that was the fall equinox. Fomahalt was the winter solstice associated with the mouth of the fish in Aquarius. And then Aldebaran was the spring equinox, which was the eye of the bull. So those are the four royal fixed stars of Persia. All right, let's move forward to Thursday, August the 20th. All right. On Thursday, August the 20th, couple lunar aspects to go through. We're going to see a sextile from the moon to Venus at 12.05 a.m., very early from Virgo to Cancer at 12 degrees. The moon will trine a retrograde Jupiter at 18 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn at 10.13 a.m. And then the moon will oppose Neptune retrograde at 20 degrees. So we're going to trigger that like Neptunian um, belief uh, that is opposing that mercurial type of skepticism and doubt. At 5.47 p.m., the moon will trine retrograde Pluto at 22 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn, and then it will trine retrograde Saturn at 11.36 p.m. So some positive aspects with the uh, challenging area of the zodiac with Capricorn. So to me, this day speaks to uh, being able to make some compromises being able to come to terms with the limits, to be able to get rid of the stuff that isn't serving us. Anytime we have a combination of Capricorn and Virgo uh, in positive communication with one another, it's like, all right, you're going to pay attention to the details. You're going to be able to sort through the crap, get to the point, and discard the things that you don't need. And, and that process is going to feel very liberating and healing. Um, the sun on Thursday will be at 27 degrees of Leo for most of the day where it is conjoined that fixed star Alphard. Remember, it was the heart of the serpent. Um, so we may have an awareness, and I, I like the word awareness for the sun. Um, with, when Mercury, we'll, we'll, have, we'll be able to communicate this energy or contest it. But when we have the sun, we're going to command authority. We're going to have a, the light of the mind, an awareness, a collective awareness of this happening. And we're going to have a collective awareness of the serpent and the heart of that serpent, um, where we may feel that strong passion, and we, we have to be careful of, of issuing our commands in a ruthless way 
that um, that maybe bites other people. Okay, like so, this there's a potential for mistreatment by authority figures or using or wielding our own authority in a way that is a little bit too intense. Uh, we have to be careful that we're serving the people that we're uh, leading rather than like dominating them. Uh, this is, you know, a, an awareness of that deep emotional turbulence that may arise from the surface too, like, like a great sea creature that's attacking the ship of our life. So just be, be aware of that and be careful of that on Thursday. All right, moving forward. On Friday, August the 21st, Friday, August the 21st is, is a fairly quiet day. Um, the moon will move into Libra at 5.15 a.m., continuing our new moon phase. Um, I did for, forget to mention that on Thursday, uh, we will see the moon escape the bond uh, at about 1 a.m. on Thursday. And the first aspect that the moon makes when it escapes the bond is a sextile with Venus in Cancer. Now, this is another weird one that's just outside of the the sextile, like just like a few minutes where I'm still considering it part of the story. Regardless, even if, it, if that is separating, it is still applying to a, a trine with Jupiter. So that means that this new moon is uh, the first aspect it makes is a trine with one of the benefics. So either way, that is a more positive uh, lunar cycle than if it was making contact with a malefic planet like Mars or Saturn. So I think that the, we, we're going to find that this may be uh, something more beneficial as we move through this lunar cycle. All right, so back to Friday the 21st. We move into Libra at 5.15 a.m. And that's pretty much it. We don't have any other uh, aspects uh, on this day in particular. So what we're going to do is we're going to move forward to Saturday the 22nd. So on Saturday the 22nd, August 22nd, the moon will be in Libra. We're going to be beginning our crescent phase where the, the moon is finally moved uh, 45 degrees away from the sun. And kind of, we're kind of gathering resources for the new impulse and the new divine assignment that we received at the lunar cycle, the renewal. Now, you don't have to necessarily do anything at new moons. I would say just pay attention. A lot of times we have this, um, this desire to like, we have to do things. We have to set all these intentions. I think that that's okay. Um, but I think that what I've learned is more so receiving the message that wants to come through us at this time. And if you are able to quiet the mind and write down what comes through you, then that can be more of like the, uh, the intentions that you are quote unquote setting. You got to, excuse me, you got to co-create with the divine. It's not like we're just the only power out there. We, we have to be able to receive these things and then act upon the impulses that we're receiving. All right. So on Saturday, the 22nd, uh, a number of lunar aspects. The moon will be squaring Venus at 425 a.m., 14 degrees Libra to 14 degrees of Cancer. Um, 14 degrees Cancer is where the fixed star Sirius is, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, the moon will be squaring Jupiter retrograde at 1045 a.m., from 18 degrees of Libra to 18 degrees of Capricorn. Uh, the moon will also square Pluto retrograde at 633 p.m. at 22 degrees Libra and Capricorn. And then it will finally make an opposition to Mars at 25 degrees of Libra and Aries at 11.35 p.m. Uh, the sun moves into Virgo at 11.44 a.m., so we'll talk about that. But first, let's unpack 
Venus on Sirius. So this happens around 14 degrees of Cancer. And we'll go back to our chart or to our sky chart and get a visual on it. We'll zoom out. We'll go forward in time. 20 seconds. And what we are looking at, this gray line here is the horizon, the green line is the ecliptic, and the red line is the celestial equator, okay? So what we are trying to find right now is Sirius, and Sirius is right here. You can see like in my chart, it looks like almost like the nose of the dog, like almost like Rudolph the red-nosed dog. <laughs> like, and we've got Mirzum right here in the paw, which rises before Sirius, okay? That was the announcer. And Sirius, we're going to see, is going to be in alignment right here with Venus. So projected ecliptical degree, it's going to match up right here. Okay. Now, Canis Major is one of the hunting dogs of Orion. We've got the, the big dog, the greater dog, and the little dog right here, Canis Minor. And he's chasing or keeping an eye on Lepus the hare. All right. And the... Fixed star Sirius is an important one. You can see it's really bright. It's an, an extremely bright fixed star. You know, it almost looks like a, you know, a planet out there. It's like very, very bright. Uh, it has associations in Egyptian culture with Anubis, uh, which was guardian of the underworld, Cerberus in Greek culture. Um, so it has also has this uh, mythology with Isis. So, Isis in Egyptian lore, the story of Isis is that she had this, uh, has her husband Osiris was split into many pieces by uh, her brother Set because of his jealousy of their relationship, I guess you could say. And she went on this grand quest to, to reassemble the pieces of her dead husband and eventually was able to do so, but only long enough. To, to mate with him, to become fertile, or to, to become pregnant with uh, her son, uh, I believe his name is Horus, if I'm remembering that story correctly. And uh, Osiris did not stay together. He had to go down into the underworld because he couldn't keep it together uh, because he, he had been too injured or whatnot. And uh, so this fixed star is associated with that Isis myth, um, and this speaks to death and resurrection. And in Egyptian times, when the fixed star Sirius was rising, was the heliacal rising star, or was visible rising before the sun, that was around the time that the, the Nile River Valley flooded and fertility returned to Egypt. So this was a very important fixed star for them. And it has associations with a quest for immortality, resurrection, uh, sometimes they, the, the research I've done talks about anytime we have serious placements, uh, we will be searching for immortality at the expense of the body, just like the, at the expense of the body of Osiris, right? Um, and you may be going on this grand quest for some great purpose, but you may forget to eat or you may forget to uh, pay the bills or you may forget to sleep. How many of you have had this passion that you were pursuing that was maybe artistic or maybe some kind of project where you're like, this is going to outlast even me in my lifetime, but, but you may, may have pursued it at your own physical expense. That's the energy of Sirius. And with Venus on Sirius, this may be, uh, you know, 
parts of our relationships. We may be trying to find what parts of our relationships we're going to, are going to be immortal and, and everlasting. And we have to be careful that we're not trying to pursue those parts of our relationship, our legacy, at the expense of just the everyday, you know, mortal coil that is our body on this plane of existence. So, you know, this could be a time where you're, you know, trying to figure out what the state of your relationship is, what your commitment is all about, how you harmonize, you know, your home, but try not to get so obsessed with dealing with your relationship or harmonizing your family or your home that you just burn, burn out. Okay. That's the, that's the, the risk with this is just burning out the body. All right. The other fixed star that is important again on this day is, you know, we have Regulus. So we have the sun and the sun is really conjoined the fixed star Regulus. Now Regulus is an ecliptical star really close to the ecliptic. So it is very much a part of our solar story and it's in the heart of the sun and we may, we may feel this attraction to uh, power and to, you know, expressing our inner divinity uh, at the same time that Venus is going over Sirius. So this could be a time where we're really trying to create a legacy for ourselves. We're trying to, you know, cement our identity as something that it lives beyond us. And another example in the negative, I guess, sorry to keep using this as an example, but it just keeps up coming up in my mind is Donald Trump uh, suggested, and I don't think he was joking, about putting his face uh, on Mount Rushmore and adding it to Mount Rushmore, which if you know the story of Mount Rushmore, it was a sacred uh, mountain um, uh, for the indigenous people of that area and was already quite an insult to have the four founding fathers of America to be carved into it, that sacred place. And now we have a, a president, a, 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 you know, someone who could be accused of narcissism, uh, saying that he deserves to be, have his face put up there in addition to these, these other um, slave owners. <laughs> so I, in that regard, maybe it fits, but um, I'm sorry, I can't hide my disgust for that particular uh, narcissism in his personality. Um, but you could see what it does uh, represent is this desire for authority, this desire for immortality, this desire to be deified that is part of the Regulus story. And we may feel impulses towards this, maybe not in such a narcissistic way, um, but we may be trying to create some kind of legacy at this time or something that lasts beyond us. And this is true when we go back to school and when we're teaching. When we're te if we're a teacher, we're trying to pass on knowledge for the next generation. When we're a student, we're trying to learn from our ancestors and from our elders and continue on a tradition. And that is all part of this, this regular story as well. All right. Now, the sun moving into the first decan of Virgo is going to be hosted by that very strong Mercury now. So our awareness is, is going to be much more mercurial. We are searching for skill. We are searching. We're creating identity by what we do and what we make and what we teach and what we learn uh, versus just the, the shining of our own personal inner light when, like we did in Leo. Um, again, we t we've talked about this Deccan already in this forecast, but if uh, just we have the card Eight of Pentacles, which is called Prudence, and these fixed stars, Regulus and Thuban. All right, so we are able to 
create identity through our craftsmanship. All right. The other thing that can happen with this, and this is something I've learned from Robert Schmidt, is whenever we have the sun in a Mercury-ruled sign, we tend to question, okay, question our identity. All right. This can be something where uh, the sun is trying to create identity, but through this doubt, okay. We, if we use our astrological sentences, we're trying to solarize Mercury. And Mercury is providing all of the food and significations for the sun to act upon. So we're commanding authority, but through this, maybe this, this sense of doubt, this sense of questioning, this sense of wanting to learn more and destabilize our knowledge. And having this uncertainty is how we're crafting identity now. And if you're a Virgo sun in the first decan or in any decan, you may craft an identity through your ability to, to learn new things, but also through your skepticism, through your self-doubt, uh, through your doubt of other things and questioning, you know, life, questioning belief. Um, men, I have many good Virgo friends who they, they will not accept something on face value or on faith. They always have to test it. And this may be a time in, in our collective story where we're testing out uh, the truth and there is a role for that. There is a role for the heretic in our society. If we take everything on faith, uh, that can lead to abuses. And Mercury is the counterbalance to those Jupiterian abuses. I came across a really interesting website called The Guru recently that I, I uh, very much appreciated this, this woman's work. And what she did is she went and she uh, did these exposés on different spiritual teachers that were abusing their power and very much like Jupiter, you know, going off the rails. She probably has some, some very strong Mercury placements in her chart where she's questioning the, the, uh, the ultimate authority of, of someone who has claimed to be that figure. And there's some really good reads on this, some really good reads about uh, a lot of the new age or yoga movements where there's been some abuses of power. There was even an article about an astrologer recently that that was kind of called out for his abuses of power. Um, and it's, it's very fascinating to, to see that. And I think that that's more where the direction we're going to be going with the sun in Virgo too, is, is being able to question authority figures, question uh, how we, who we give power to. And, and that's good. That's a balancing act. Um, because if we just blindly go along with things all the time, that can, that can really lead to some corruption. Uh, so we have this balancing force with, with all the planets, with the sun, with the vitality, we have the balancing force of Saturn, with death and contraction, growth with death. With uh, Jupiter and Mercury, we have certainty, belief, taking things on faith with questioning and the skepticism of Mercury. With Mars, we have the ability to separate, sever, and fight with the reconciliation and the harmonization of Venus. So all of those things have these these opposite pairs that are balancing one another out. All right, we've got one more day just to wrap up our, our uh, journey here, our exploration. Okay, thanks for hanging with me. I know if you're still listening, you're uh, some of the true fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm long-winded. It's okay. That's who I am. I can't please everyone. I went through my, my uh, feelings of, of discontent, of, of sensitivity about 
criticism. But at the end of the day, after I calm down, you know, I have a lot of Virgo placements. Be, any, any Virgo, any person that has uh, heavy Virgo placements in their chart, here's a little secret. They don't respond well to criticism, and here's why. They've already put themselves through more criticism than they, than they could ever possibly receive from anybody else. <laughs> you know, they've already, like, asked themselves so many questions that it's, it's painful. It is painful when other people are, are calling them out on that because they, they feel, I think, that they've already done so much soul searching and asking of the questions that how could anybody possibly understand the process that they've gone through to try to create, um, I guess, the pursuit of perfection. There would never be perfection, um, but to, to eliminate flaws. I think that's the other thing, that if you have someone with prominent Virgo placements, many of them are very, very aware of their flaws and work very hard to, to fix them and every flaw that they see around them. Um, and it's because of this impending uh, winter energy, this feeling of knowing that things are temporal and won't last forever and really trying to preserve things against the ravages of time. All right. So on Sunday, the 23rd, uh, the moon moves into Scorpio at 6.15 a.m. It's still moving through its crescent phase. It will be moving into a square with Saturn retrograde at 12.19 a.m. at 26 degrees of Libra and Capricorn. It'll move into uh, Scorpio at 6.15. It'll sextile the sun from zero degrees of Scorpio and Virgo at 7.34 a.m. Uh, it will sextile Mercury at 6.41 a.m., and then it will make an opposition to Uranus from 10 degrees of Scorpio to 10 degrees of Taurus at 11.59 p.m. Okay, two fixed stars are part of our story on Sunday the 23rd. So the first one is Venus, fresh off a conjoining by projected ecliptical degree with Sirius. Now it is on, at 15 degrees of Cancer, which is very close by projected ecliptical degree to the fixed star Canopus. And Canopus is pretty cool. Canopus is, a, Canopus is the fixed star that is conjoining my 15 degree Cancerian sun. And here's Canopus right here. It is a very bright star at, the, at a very southern latitude, right? Uh, and as part of this constellation, the Argo, which is the great ship of Jason and the Argonauts. And this uh, particular constellation is associated with, uh, also associated with Noah's Ark in the Christian uh, mythological story. Uh, it is uh, Vishnu in fish form in the, in the Hindu tradition. Um, and Canopus is the navigator of the ship. So this, this talks about, this fixed star is talking about going on a great journey into the unknown, about finding our way. Uh, about being potentially having some really intense ideas about where we want to go. He's the navigator. He's telling us where to go. He can be a dominant leader. Uh, so sometimes we have to be careful that we don't get too fixated on where, where we want to go. Um, I have a friend uh, who also has the sun at this particular degree, and uh, she's been posting a lot about um, her, her dream of owning a, an RV and traveling around you know, the country in the RV. And I thought that was, it resonated with me because I also sort of have this dream of, 
you know, having this Cancerian dream of carrying your home on your back and traveling off into the unknown. And I thought it was kind of funny that that was a similar dream because we both have our, our sons on this fixed star Canopus, the, the, the navigator. Um, so that's one like really interesting manifestation of this energy. Another thing about Canopus is that uh, it was also called the plumb line or the weight of the, the sky. And they, they thought it, that it connected to the pole star. So if we had the pole star here at the very northern latitudes here, you could see that up here. I believe we have, it's going to go all nutty here whenever I try to do this. But we've got the pole star right here, Polaris, in the north. And then if we trace a line from the north all the way down to the south, we have Canopus. And this was associated with Saturn because the ancients had a belief that as Canopus moved closer to the pole star, as it inched its way north, uh, when it reached that pole star, that would be the end of time. Uh, and uh, so there's some really interesting associations with this feeling of impending doom or like uh, the, the impending end of things with this particular uh, area of the zodiac as well. Um, so what happens when Venus is very close to it? And you can see if we project all the way down, okay, Venus is right here, and Venus is going to trace a line all the way down to Canopus around the end of the week. Okay, there it is. You can see Venus is moving in alignment with it. So we may be asking ourselves some questions. Where are we going in our relationship? Where are we, what kind of home are we trying to build? What kind of family are we building? Um, you may have one of those like, uh, what is the state of the relationship type of talks. Um, we may be sailing into the unknown and trying to harmonize the journey and trying to like allow the journey to come to us too. With Venus in this position, we, we don't necessarily have to be aggressively pursuing the journey. We just have to be kind of going along the ride. Maybe we don't have a, a set direction and we're kind of just out for a Sunday drive and seeing what beauty comes to us along the way. Um, so I think that may be part of this Venus story as we're moving through here. But just recognize that relationships may be going through a kind of like, what is this? Where are we going? And asking you potentially to set a course within that Cancerian area of your life. All right. Last little thing. The fixed star Thuban. Now, we are going to be talking about Mercury. There's Mercury. And Thuban is part of the fixed star, or part of the constellation Draco. So there's Thuban right there in alignment. Okay. Now, Thuban is part of the series of constellations that surrounds the pole star. There's Polaris, part of the little, the little bear, Canis. I believe that's a that is, uh, what is that called? Ursa Minor. That's right. I was getting confused with the dog, but it's Ursa Minor. And Ursa Minor and Ursa Major used to be the wings of this great dragon. So here is some interesting things about Thuban. This great dragon or this great serpent was the guardian of a great treasure. And that great treasure was, the immort was immortality, was the divine, divine wisdom, was the point of stillness. Thuban was the pole star, uh, roughly between 4500 and 2000 BCE, before procession shifted it to Polaris. Uh, it is guarding a great treasure. 
these were this was the 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 dragons of Arthurian legend that was guarding a great hoard or a great treasure or guarding the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail is actually this divine immortality. That's what that's what the Grail represents. This point of immortal stillness. And the 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 downside of Thuban. The plus side is that we have this ability to, to protect a great treasure. The downside is we may have some instincts towards hoarding something. And, you know, if we are a dragon that's guarding something, we have to be careful not to collect too many things and not redistribute them out into the world. Now, this particular position may lead you with Mercury to collect knowledge, to collect facts, to collect skills. And you have to be able to use those skills. If you just collect skills just for your own use and your own self without being of service, then you can become that hoarding dragon that the knights go to fight against to, to create balance in the world. But if you become a great dragon that is helping to uh, continue the flow of abundance, okay, if you're a channel for that abundance, then you be, use that fixed star to its greatest use. Now, again, I have Jupiter on, on Thuban. So I have an abundance or I have a desire for an abundance of knowledge, of facts, of Jupiterian things like teaching. I teach a lot of details. Like I, that it's, the symbolism is pretty much perfect. I'm, you know, yes, Jupiter is in its exile because a lot of the times you want to see a coherent picture. So what I'm attempting to do with Jupiter on Thuban is create some kind of coherent picture with a lot of details and to keep the flow going. When I, am, when I feel like I am off, a lot of times I will try to acquire knowledge, but I'll just sit on it. I'll, I won't feel like I want to share with anybody because I, most of the time it's because I feel um, insecure about, about my knowledge and I have doubts whether uh, what I'm saying is a truth or not. That is the curse, I think, of Jupiter in Virgo and the Ju Jupiter in Gemini. You always have doubts about your beliefs. And uh, the key, I think, to that is not to get fixated on whether I have finally found the ultimate capital T truth, but to continue to share the process and to share the details and to share all of this knowledge and keep it flowing. That's what these, these forecasts are for me. They're an exercise in letting information flow and, and learning not to hoard this type of thing. Because I think that as I allow the flow to happen, that keeps me an open channel for more to come through me. And for you, with Mercury on Thuban this week, the more that you share your knowledge and you share your teaching and you share your, your understanding of divinity and your skill set, the more you are opening yourself up for new experiences to come in. If you close yourself off, if you close off your ears, nothing more can come in. If you feel like you've finally attained something and you've, you've got a great treasure that you're hoarding and you just want to keep it for yourself, you're not allowing the, the, the river of life to bring you new experiences and new, and new awareness. So that would be my, my, my advice for this particular position of Thuban is let, let it flow. You know, if you want to learn new things, share it with other people. If you have some insights, have a good discussion about it. Uh, that will keep you open to continuing to grow. Because one thing I've learned on this journey is that uh, every time I come across a truth or some kind of awareness, it brings up 10 more questions. 
And I've had to come to terms with the fact that that's always going to be the case for me in particular. And I don't think it's a bad way to be because the, it, what it does is it, it, it aligns you with this eternal mystery. And if you finally think that you have things figured out, what more are you doing on this planet, right? What, if you're not really in awe of the mystery anymore, uh, then you become that guru. Then you become that guru that says, I know all the answers. And that's when the corruption begins because they've hoarded that knowledge. And when they consider themselves the authority without anything else to learn, that is when they start to make mistakes. And they, it starts to become about ego rather than about letting that information flow through you. So as we move through this week, let the information flow, get in touch with your curiosity, figure out how you can practically apply your skill set and share your gifts with the world. All right, that's what I've got for this week. Next week, we are going to see uh, Monday the 24th, uh, we are seeing Mars perfecting that square to Saturn retrograde at 26 degrees. This is one of two squares that is going to happen over the next few months between these planets. I believe the next one happens at the end of September when Mars is retrograding. So get used to this energy and try to have patience with it when you're moving forward. You're going to be asked to review something in the Aries area of your life. On Tuesday, the 25th, Mercury moves into the second decan of Virgo. Uh, and then makes a trine to Uranus at 10 degrees of Virgo and Taurus. We're going to experience our first quarter moon next week on Tuesday at two degrees of Sagittarius, squaring two degrees of Virgo sun. Um, also on Tuesday the 25th, Venus will be opposing retrograde Jupiter at 17 degrees of Capricorn and Cancer. On the 27th, Venus will make a trine to Neptune. That'll be nice. While it is conjoining the fixed star Castor. Uh, so that is the one of the, um, I believe, that is part of the, the storyteller. So we should, it'd be a great time to take in a movie or something like that or, or write your own story. Uh, on Saturday, the 29th, Mercury will be trining uh, Jupiter at 17 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn. And then finally, on Sunday, the 30th, Venus will be opposing Pluto, conjoining the fixed star Pollux, and then Mercury will be opposing Neptune. All right, so that's what's going on next week as we look ahead. Thank you, everybody, for, your, for sticking with me and for your support. Um, I appreciate you as an audience. I, even, even the folks that disagree or maybe I'm not the, your cup of tea, I appreciate you stopping by. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to, to get, um, I will say it is nice to see contrast sometimes in your life and it helps you appreciate things in, in a certain way. So if you are someone who appreciates what I'm doing here, make sure that you're clicking that subscribe button, share with your friends. There are two links where you can donate to support my work that I do every week. Uh, I have a Venmo account uh, at Spencer Michaud and also a PayPal me account. You can also support the work I do by reaching out and scheduling a reading. My books are open for August and September. So if you are interested in getting a reading, a lot of my readings involve uh, much of the same things that I do on these forecasts. I'm very detailed with my uh, readings. I will go over your fixed stars. I will go over your planetary tarot decan placements. We'll talk about how the stories are, are playing themselves out in your life. Um, I'm very um, interested in focusing it to what you're working on. So it's very much conversation when I do a reading. 
uh, when we're working on specific problems that you may be experiencing and needing some guidance and some kind of uh, light to. Uh, and yeah, so, so reach out for that. You can, you can email me at spencermichelleastrology at gmail.com to reach out and set up a reading. So I hope that you're all doing well. Uh, take care, everyone. And we'll get, we'll get through these uh, Mars and Saturn squares together. And um, we will hopefully come out on the other side. We're, we're getting a much, much closer to that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in December. So if you can hold out till then, I think we're going to see some movement as far as uh, the collective goes, we're kind of getting out of this malaise that I think has, uh, you know, been casting a pall <laughs> over our experience in the last little while. So hang in there, everybody. Uh, take care. Peace.